Welcome to our podcast series on the Food Safety Modernization Act. This podcast miniseries is put together for educational purposes. We will be sharing information to help New Hampshire produce farms better comply with rules and regulations by learning about legal obligations, innovative ideas from local farmers, resources to help producers, common shortfalls regulators are seeing when they inspect farms, and the implementation of best practices on farms across our state. My name is Dan Bernsteel, and today I got the chance to sit down with Vicki Smith, the New Hampshire Produce Safety Program Specialist from the New Hampshire Department of Agriculture, to hear a regulator's point of view about the produce safety rule. Thank you for joining us today. We just wanted to have this discussion to get some information out to New Hampshire growers about the state of the Food Safety Modernization Act in our state. Mm -hmm. We thought you'd be a great person to ask, talk to about this, and bring some information to light. Okay, ask away. All right. Uh, so I know you've been a big proponent of on-farm readiness reviews, mm -hmm. which are kind of like practice inspections, even to farms that are not fully covered by the final rule. Can you tell us a little bit more about what those are? Yes, I can. The on-farm readiness reviews uh, were designed uh, for regulatory agents and educational proponents and like cooperative extension to put together a program where we can go onto a farm and assess their current status to be compliant with a produce safety rule. And this is a voluntary visit that we make on farm. And we do this on farm. Uh, so we go out and we'll walk from the packing house through the growing, uh, look at harvest practices, let's see what the farms, where they are obtaining the water sources, if they're irrigating, if it's a surface pond, if, if it's a well. We look through all of the um, aspects of the produce safety rule to see how they, how close they are to being compliant and how we can assist in them becoming compliant with the produce safety rule. And none of that is a formal inspection. That's more just to help the farmer out? Right. It's not a formal, it's not a regulatory inspection. In fact, we have a checklist that we take with us, which was developed um, from the National State Departments of Agriculture and FDA, along with some extension folks. We take that checklist with us, and it kind of follows the produce safety rule. Each section of the rule, we look at health and hygiene, training of employees, uh, livestock entrance onto the farm, harvest practices, uh, water sources and what the sources, if they're irrigating by trickle or overhead. Uh, we also look at packing houses. And then we also, at the very end, we discuss a food safety plan. They don't need to have one according to the produce safety rule, but it's highly recommended that it's a lot easier for them to keep their records and to get a full scene of their entire farm. Once they have it down on paper, it's, it's easier for them to take it in blocks and look at what they need to be uh, compliant with. All right. So I know there was a question about who qualifies for an on-farm readiness review. Right. And so some of the categories, if people aren't familiar, sure. are you know not covered by the produce safety rule at all. That means you're selling under $25,000 of adjusted produce yeah. sales annually. There's qualified exempt, which is where you're over that $25,000 range, but under $500,000 a mm -hmm. year. And then there's fully covered. Right. So for fully covered, that's required for an on-farm readiness review, right? Or for the ins actual inspection. Right. Um, the on-farm readiness review wasn't required. It is a voluntary. It's requested by the farm. The current federal funding, we just were awarded another five-year fund 
uh, grant fund to continue the program includes on-farm ministry viewers as part of the educational components and outreach efforts. So any farm can have an on-farm ministry view in spite of their status of being small, very small, or or qualified exempt. We will do outreach as part of the funding. That's fantastic. Uh, It really is. It really is. Right. We we just performed our needs assessment. We spoke to about 20 farms in the state right. and even qualified exempt farms all said the same thing. We'd love to have something like that. Right, right. We actually have two farms that are qualified exempt. One may be closer to being a large farm down the road because of the increase of sales and okay. CSA. But we are going to be scheduling that probably April or May so we can see some some growing greenhouse growing actually too. So Okay. Right. And the right. best way for growers to schedule an on farm readiness review would be to reach out to you directly. They can they can contact us if they go to our website, which we'll give the address at the end of the conversation. Uh, we have a FISMA, uh, we have a um, on farm readiness re- review request form, which they can access and fill out and send in to us. They also can contact their local cooperative extension educator to discuss you know, scheduling a uh, on-farm ministry review and they will contact me and we will coordinate. Uh, in the past, we've had uh, an extension agent, I call them agents, <laughs> um, educator come with us. Um, we go on-farm and we conduct that. Before we do an on-farm ministry review visit, we actually do a phone call before that to get some sense of knowledge of the of the proto-safety rule of the farm. And we will kind of go down to see what areas they need most help with. So we'll ask them, you know, are you a family-owned farm? Are you employing folks other than your family? Which means what kind of training you would need to have. Uh, We also want to ask if they're diversified, if they have livestock, because again, that's another component as far as water quality and if they're using that particular um, manure for fertilizer. Uh, We also will find out... um, you know, if they're small, very small, if they're exempt, qualified exempt, we ask those questions also. Um, so we do this checklist via a call, and then we'll go out there with our own checklist and go down through each segment. Um, each actually, the 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 qualified the um excuse me the checklist that we use is actually based on the Produce Safety Alliance training uh, scopes, that that template. So we kind of go down according to the scopes and we begin with um, health and hygiene and train, you know, employee training. We'll go down through all those questions and see what areas they're weak in and kind of assess how close they are to being compliant. Also, we're able to get a really good view of the farm as we're walking around. So we're able to look at packing, growing, harvesting, and, and, and those types of areas. Kind of the whole operation. It really is, yeah. I like to think of it when I, I'm a, I'm a PSA trainer. Mm-hmm. I'm a lead trainer, actually. And I kind of, I like to have the farm, I think, as their farm as a whole living um, organism. And so they get a big picture. I'll, I'll say to the, the people we have in our class, okay, get a picture of your entire farm like you're doing an aerial view. Mm. And think of where you have hedgerows. Think of where the water's coming in. Think of the elevation of the, your fields and where the water's draining down to. Think of where your wells are located. Do you have animals? Um, and do you have, is there access for wildlife to come on and, you know, eat some of your crops and leave behind some feces you know, mm. to, that need to be picked up or is, can that crop then be harvested? So we, we, I ask people to really look at it as a living organism when, I, when they do a training um, so they get a better idea. Rather than taking one field at a time, they, they 
can look to see exactly where they need to do some improvements or where they want to start, um, and not to overwhelm them. You start small. We don't expect farmers to, you know, um, invest a lot of funds in improving how they do, how they how they pack. And, like, we don't expect people to have new packing houses, new packing lines, all new equipments, all that stuff. We don't expect that at all. Improvements incrementally is what we'd like to see. So that's how we go about it. That's, that's how I go about it anyway. All right. And just to be clear... This is available to farms prior to their first inspection. So any kinks they have mm-hmm. can get worked out on the on-farm right, readiness. Right. Awesome. Right. Um, although right now the uh, the federal law re- requires that uh, small and very small farms actually be begin to be inspected. They should have begun last year. Mm. Um, we're a little bit behind with, at the department because we didn't get the program until halfway through the first grant from another agency. But we do have all of our large farms inspected and ready to, you know, they've, they've been done. And now we're going to be working on the small and very small farms. But we're willing to do on-farm release reviews anytime. We just need to schedule them. Perfect. Right, right. For the farms that have already had an on-farm readiness review or inspection, can you give us a general idea of what areas of strength there are for New Hampshire growers? Areas of strength, I mean, what they already have in place that yeah. makes them more compliant. Well, the one advantage of... Several of our large farms, we have 23 large farms we've identified, and we've done inspections on uh, several of those farms are gapped, certified, mm-hmm. good agricultural practices within the USDA's program. That's a voluntary program, and I'm a former GAP auditor with the department, so I, I know the program pretty well. Perfect. And so those farms are required to have a, a, food safety, a, a farm safety plan. And um, within that plan, they need to keep certain records. And the USDA and FDA has have combined the requirements of those records so that they can be reviewed and accepted in either program. So if you're GAP certified and you have training records, those records can, maybe with some tweaking, be compliant within the produce safety rule, which is a really big advantage. Mm. And the other advantage of so these farms that are GAP certified are that they have a training program in place for the employees. Oh, yeah. So some of these farms that have training employees, keeping records, that, that, that's new to a lot of farmers. Some of the mid-sized farms, the small farms that do under 500000 but they're over the 250000 they usually have a lot of employees, a lot meaning maybe five to ten. Um, and they, are, they make sure that they are doing training and they want to know what type of records, what type of training they need to have. And there's a lot of... Um, educational videos out there through Cornell, through Penn State. Um, and, and I know Extension, UNH Extension has links to those. And we also have links um, that, that are available for, you know, for these farms. Um, the other strength is farms that have CSAs mm-hmm. and have on-farm farm stands, their uh, method of record keeping for sales and harvest amounts seems to be pretty good. And they need those need to be maintained so they know what they're selling and how much they're selling and they know where they fall within the um, requirements of the produce safety load. Are they are they over two fifty over two hundred fifty thousand? Are they over five hundred thousand? I mean, you know, and what the sales have. So let me see employee training, record keeping, harvest and pack houses. There's a few that have really good systems in there. Large some of the large farms have some really good 
procedures in place and protocols of harvesting, how they harvest, how they move it to the pack house, and just how it moves within the packing house is very important. So that's another strength that a few of the 250,000 and larger farms have in place. I think those things are other strengths. And Anything fact, on the other side? Um, well, some of the weaknesses that we have found um, when we've done initial inspections, uh, with our produce safety rule, we have initial inspections and we have routine. The initial inspection is we, regul- we um, educate before we regulate. I know that was one of the questions you had later on, but we will go in and look at and um, see how, what the farm needs, what, how compliant they are. One area that farmers are lacking is definitely employee training mm-hmm. and record keeping of that. If some of the larger farms need to do pesticide workers training, they have some idea of what's required. They just need to add a health and hygiene component to that. And there's a lot of information out there which will help those farmers um, identify what they need to train and how they need to train, like washing your hands in that type of that type of scenario. The difference um, between cleaning and sanitizing. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. The other thing would be identifying when a worker should not be working. Mm. Again, it goes back to health and hygiene training. Um, if, if a worker is sick, they shouldn't be handling fresh produce. And getting uh, supervisors who who are below the owners to understand that and train that out and that be able to identify that. That's a whole nother area that we, that we see is, is kind of weak with, you know, with some of the owners of some of the growers out there. Yeah. Um, and that's tough. I, I used to supervise a farm myself and, you know, a grower, a worker's not going to come on and say, Hey, I don't want to work today. They, they want to get a paycheck. Right. Exactly that. It's tough to identify. Right. The Produce Safety Alliance grower training is a really good, way for farmers and they can they can send their their workers too of course if you're a large farm you have to have at least one person go to the training Mm. and meet the training but as we conduct these trainings with extension uh we anybody can go you know we uh if you are a small farm a very small farm you can still participate we want to make sure that we identify the large farms where they need to have the training but we are certainly willing to you know accept other participants Mm. absolutely yeah. And I just, I can vouch for that. I just took my PSA grower training as well. It was easy. Uh, I think they're doing them online right now, yes. which is convenient if you can't get Did you there. do an online one? I did. Yep. You did. Yep. And how was that? I haven't, I haven't conducted it online. It was great. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, two days, you know, pretty quick and easy and painless. Good. Learned mm-hmm. a lot. And then I actually took the train the trainer course I, shortly after. So. Oh, good. So we have another trainer I'm in the app. stocked up with produce safety knowledge. <laughs> That's good. Right. Right. Okay. So you alluded to it before, but FISMA seeks to educate before and mm-hmm. during regulation. Uh, how does this, this sentiment and the department's regulatory role work together? Well, this is very interesting to me because I spent 28 years as, a, as an agriculture inspector for the Department of Agriculture in New Hampshire. And I had always been a regulator for all those years. And some of the programs that we were um, enforcing required us not to give advice or correct, give out corrective actions to the producers. And it was always kind of bothered us, uh, myself and some other colleagues of mine, that we couldn't, you know, give out that information. It, it was almost left up to the farmer to decide how they had to correct it. Mm-hmm. Um, this program is much different in that we can assist the farmer in becoming compliant. 
Um, now, not to say if I go onto a farm and I see something that needs to be corrected, um, I I assume it's going to be corrected within a timeline that I that that was discussed upon between the farmer and myself. Sure. And I then I do expect farmer cooperation with this proto safety rule. It is a federal rule, and we did adopt it at the state level, so it's fully enforceable by us. But we want to make sure that the farmer understands the proto-safety rule and when it should be implemented. If something needs to be corrected, it needs to be corrected. Sure. You know. Also, because this rule is based on food safety, uh, you know, there's certain pathogens out there, and I've learned quite a bit about this with the trainings I've done with under FDA that are easily, you know, transmittable uh, on fresh produce that can make a person sick. Yeah. And a lot of these illnesses, people don't think that maybe they have the flu instead of having a pathogen, you know, human illness. And so a lot of them aren't identified necessarily. Mm. You know, a lot of people may not go to the doctors if they have a stomach flu, if they think it's a stomach flu. But just educating the farmers on, you know, what pathogens are around and, you know, that can contaminate produce is, is to me is very important that they understand that. Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah, and I think the spirit of this rule is is in good place. You know, right. I, nobody wants to get their customers sick. No, that's exactly right. But as far as regulatory work is concerned, when we do a initial inspection, it's educate before we regulate. And then we, after we do an initial inspection, we do a routine inspection, which is part of our state rules. And within the routine inspection, that's more regulatory. And if we see something that needs to be corrected, we expect compliance. However, if during an initial inspection or even an on-farm readiness review, if we see an egregious situation, and we do have a definition for that in our state rules, it's the, it's the federal definition, and that's where human harm or illness is, is evident, it's going, to, it's going to happen, then we can go in there and, and require corrections to be done. You know, something's got to be done right there. And we do have, within our state rules, we do have stop sale, use removal orders. Uh, we do, um, can require recall a product if necessary. And we do work hand in hand with FTA officials if those situations do come up. Mm. So just to let people know, we we're not educate, but we will regulate as needed. We were joking before the podcast started about... Uh... It's good to stay on the Vicky side. You don't want to get over to the Victoria side. That's when you get into trouble. <laughs> well, people who know me as an inspector know that I'm I'm pretty fair. I, I give a benefit of a doubt, and um, I'd like to want to see things corrected. We have no intention of shutting these farms down. It's not the the, the it's not the reason why we have the rule. We really want to make people aware that they should be. They should be growing clean produce, good produce. And if they need assistance with that, we can certainly help them. And if not, Extension can step in and help them also. Absolutely. Yeah, right. We have a good relationship. I've always had a good relationship with, with Extension all my 35, 40 years working with them. So um, I'm very pleased that Extension has a very good produce safety team um, oh, well, working. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm new to the team, but it's been uh it's been wonderful. Yeah, it's been very good. We've we've done really good photo safety trainings and other other meetings. So mm. I'm very happy with the with the work working with you guys. Excellent. Yeah. So when the FISMA legislation was first discussed in the legislature, uh one argument for our state was to have state inspectors instead of federal inspectors mm -hmm. on our produce farms. Mm -hmm. 
in the years since FSMA implementation has started, how have the state inspectors been a benefit to New Hampshire farmers? Well, myself and my colleague um, who works with me, Deborah Bunn, she and I have been agricultural inspectors and organic um, inspections for um, over 30 years. Mm. We've known each other that long. And she was a part-time organic processor inspection inspector for the Division of Regulatory Services where I had worked up until 2015 when I retired. So we have a good knowledge of the farms in New Hampshire and been traveling all over the state for many years. So having that familiarity with the farmers, how farmers, um, how they understand what we're trying to do as inspectors um, has really benefited the our state program rather than having unknown um, FDA inspectors come in and do inspections. It's been a lot better for us to have the agricultural inspectors as proto-safety inspectors because we understand agriculture in New Hampshire. We know mm. the landscape. Uh, so there's been a real benefit. We're hoping to you know, find some younger people to come into our proto-safety program and so that we can train them to be um, ag- you know, proto-safety farm inspectors mm. you know, down the line. So it's been a real benefit for the New Hampshire farmers. I would imagine so. Just having that more personal connection, a little bit easy, right. easier accessibility right. to your inspectors. Right. And personally, for myself, the uh, several of the large farms that we have had to inspect according to the rule, I was a gap auditor. So I'm very familiar with the crops that they've grown and um, the f- farm workers and the records. So um, it's been, a, been an advantage for me anyway. Mm. Um, but I'm still finding new farms out there that I have never visited before. And what has changed is there's a lot of younger farmers, mm. uh, not to give up my age, but there's a lot of younger farmers out there um, starting out, which, uh, you know, kudos to them. I mean, it's a lot of hard work. Mm. So, yeah, it's been an advantage, absolutely. Yep, having the department. Do you have any recommendations for farmers to stay up to date on FSMA news, especially on the state level? Right. Well, they can go to our website, and um, our website is www.agriculture.nh.gov. And on that homepage, there's a banner, and you click on Farmers and scroll down to FSMA FSMA, and that's our food safety page. And on that page, there's um, a non-farm readiness review request, there's information about the FDA. Um, there's links to FDA guidance documents. Um, there's links to a cooperative extension. If you're interested in a proto-safety grower training, there's a link for that also. So there's a lot of information. And they can um, certainly call me, and I can give my phone number if you like. It's um, My state phone number is 603-848-4781. And my phone is pretty much on most of the time. And my email address is victoria.m.smith at agr.nh.gov. Perfect. Good. If you had a message to deliver to New Hampshire farmers regarding FSMA, what would you like them to know? Well, the the rule has been around, the the proto-safety rule has been around since 2016. The state rule um, and state law when the, the Department of Agriculture took it over in 2018, they've been in effect since 2019. And the produce safety rule really covers all farmers in New Hampshire. Um, if you are a farmer that is that is growing less than $25,000, average over three years and adjusted for inflation, then you're, you're exempt from the rule. However, 
uh, you still cannot sell contaminated food. Right. Okay. Right. So that's the caveat there. They, they still uh, federally, you still can't sell contaminated food, no matter what what your sales are or average. And for those producers that do sell over twenty five thousand, and then up to over five hundred thousand. The rule affects everybody, and I don't think the New Hampshire farmers understand that. Mm. And so I really want to get, make that point out there that um, you are covered by the produce safety rule. Uh, you are responsible to grow food that's not contaminated. So we want to help you with that, with our program. And we will be visiting farms this, this summer. And as part of the grant, we are developing, we have been developing a farm inventory, which is um, a requirement of the of the of the rule for us to do. We, we have our own state authority for the produce safety rule, but the federal government funds us 100%. And so we, we go according to what the grant that we have to fund the program, what requirements are. And one of them is, is to develop a farm inventory. Um, so we are adding farms to the inventory, and then we would be verifying those, you know, by calling the farms or visiting them, what the status is. So the produce safety rule in the New Hampshire produce safety rule uh, affects everybody, not mm. just those large farms, which I think is a misconception out there. And we're willing to help any farmer understand what, what the requirements are. That's great. And since so many farms in New Hampshire are smaller farms, mm-hmm. I think that's great to know. Right, right. So if listeners have any more questions about the Food Safety Modernization Act, uh, I'd like to, to direct them to www.extension.unh.edu and find the Food Safety and Agriculture and Business page under Agriculture and Gardens. Uh, Vicki, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today and taking the time to speak with us. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate giving out any information about the Proto Safety Rule. I, 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 it's a lot of work running the program, but I really, um, I've always liked visiting the farmers in New Hampshire and uh, be willing to work with them and answer any questions that they may have. Thank you for having me. Thank you. This podcast is a production of University of New Hampshire Cooperative Extension, an equal opportunity educator and employer. Views expressed on this podcast are not necessarily those of the university, its trustees, or its volunteers. Inclusion or exclusion of commercial products in this podcast does not imply endorsement. The University of New Hampshire, U.S. Department of Agriculture, and New Hampshire counties cooperate to provide extension programming in the Granite State. Learn more at extension.unh.edu. This UNH Cooperative Extension podcast is supported by the Food and Drug Administration of the United States Department of Health and Human Services as part of a Financial Assistance Award, FAIN number U2FFD 007437, totaling $329,729, with 100% funded by FDA and HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by, FDA or HHS, or the United States government.